Have you ever wondered why God doesn't answer prayer? Maybe you've spent some time praying about something for a long time, or maybe something happened in your life that was tragic or disappointing or even devastating. The Bible has a lot to say about how God feels about us, and it's true that sometimes the answer is no. We're going to talk about this today. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. I got a letter recently from a listener on the East Coast, and she was struggling with some things that have happened in her life over the last couple of years, most significantly the cry of both her and her husband to be able to have a child and the Lord seeming to say no to that. Years of in vitro fertilization, uh, miscarriages, all kinds of disappointment and heartache around the theme of them wanting to have a family of their own. And so she asked the question, does God answer prayer and sometimes say no, or should we just keep praying? Well, the Bible never tells us to stop praying. We're to keep praying all the time. But I want to touch on this a little bit because I think this is a, we don't have, and I've I've said this before at the show, but we don't really have in the church, and this is something that actually the Catholics have a pretty good handle on, and, uh, and I've been admiring their willingness to wade into this subject because in modern Christianity, it's absolutely true in uh, evangelicalism, we don't really have a philosophy for suffering. We don't talk about the theology of suffering. We don't like to wade into that water. It's so much easier to talk about the prosperity gospel. It's so much easier to talk about how God wants to bless you and God wants to uh, enlarge your territory and all of the things that we hear in modern Christianity. And those things are true and they're good. But sometimes the answer is no. And if you've ever walked the road of suffering, and I'm talking about, you know, real suffering, I'm not talking about you didn't get the promotion that you wanted or, you know, golly gee, you wanted that great vacation, but you didn't get it. I'm talking about real suffering. I'm talking about the loss of a child or the loss of a loved one through an accident or illness, or maybe living with chronic illness or chronic pain. And sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers the way that we want him to. And so I want to talk about it a little bit because the reality is uh, God's no is in the Bible too. And some of you are familiar with the story of David and Bathsheba as, as is told in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Remember David and Bathsheba committed adultery, right? Uh, David sent Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, to the front lines And he was ultimately killed. And this happened because David had slept with Bathsheba and she was the wife of Uriah and he was trying to cover up his sin by having Uriah killed. Well, obviously now this makes him a murderer. And so David and Bathsheba, Bathsheba gets pregnant. She has a child and the child becomes ill, very ill, in fact. And in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 16, we read, David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused and he would not eat any food with them. And verse 18 says, and on the seventh day, the child died. It's easy for us to say, well, David sinned and that's why God took the life of his child. But there are a lot of people who've experienced the loss of a child who weren't sinning. We weren't uh, committing adultery, and we often don't know 
why God says no. In this case, you can make a you could make a clear connection between the sin of David and Bathsheba and the decision that God made to take that child from them. But the reality is God's no is all over the Bible. David pleaded with the Lord. The Bible says that he was on his face before the Lord, that he was in sackcloth and ashes, that he wouldn't even get up to eat. And yet the Bible says that his child still died. We read in God's word, and and this is in Isaiah 55, but this has been a comfort to me as I have walked through seasons of disappointment and heartbreak in my life to remember that God is not like us that we don't get to make these decisions, that we have to trust that God's heart toward us is good. And I talked about this the other night when we're trying to figure out, Lord, how do we know if it's your voice? I want to walk in your in your way. I want to be uh, committed to hearing your voice and choosing to make decisions that are in line with your will. And the Bible says in Isaiah 55 that our ways are not like God's ways. Let's listen to it. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That's Isaiah 55 uh, verses 8 and 9. An unanswered prayer can be really confusing, I think. And uh, it's confusing for us, but obviously, you know, we're not God and it's not confusing for God. God knows what we don't see, and he sees what we don't see. And on the last day, when we know what he knows, we're going to accuse him of nothing but being faithful. See, we can't see the end right now. We can only see the struggle. And I think a lot of us are struggling with various decisions that are being made for us. Maybe it's a decision that's being made in the government that we don't understand, or maybe it's a decision sometimes even made in our churches, right? I mean, my goodness, uh, I've spent a lot of years and my husband, when my husband was a pastor and decisions that were made in the church and even in church leadership in the face of suffering and, and sorrow that really caused me to misunderstand God's heart in the midst of suffering. And in the midst of it, we need to go back to what we know is true. Those with childish faith will use God's no as an excuse to turn away from him or maybe even ditch him altogether. We see Young people all over the country right now and around the world, in fact, many of them who have lived very public so-called Christian lives and have been walking out a faith that wasn't actually grounded in the word of God. And when adversity comes, they ditch their faith. They walk away from the Lord and they live a life that that uh, that says that demonstrates I don't really trust in the sovereignty of God. I don't trust in the goodness of God. I no longer trust God. Maybe they don't even believe that there is a God. Yes, God answers our prayers, but he doesn't mean that he's our genie. It doesn't mean that that we treat God as a jukebox or someone who's available to our every beck and call. God's not obligated to grant every request that he give him. And if we expect to if we expect God to provide us with everything that we want, that wouldn't make him a very good father. There have been many decisions that my husband and I have made over the years that my children felt were unjust even unfair, sometimes cruel, right? You know, why Why didn't you give me that thing? Why won't you let me go to that sleepover? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? As adults, our kids can look back and go, oh, I understand. And in many ways, the Bible says that we can't understand things right now. We see through a glass darkly. We can't see what's on the other side of eternity or really understand why God makes the decisions that he makes or allows the things that he allows. But we have to trust that he's a good father. We should never expect 
God to perform for us, but instead learn to be grateful for the blessings that he does give us and thank him for keeping us away from problems that we can't foresee. Uh, a couple of days ago when I was talking about this, I mentioned that the uh, that the decisions that that we make in our lives, and oftentimes these decisions come after, hopefully, they come after weeks of prayer and asking God to direct us and to show us what to do. And when we make this decision or we move down this path and the healing doesn't come, it can be tempting to blame God or to even worse than that, to uh, to run from God. Listen, guys, God can handle your feelings. God's not uh, up in heaven. Uh, when you, Especially if you experience a disappointment, God's not in heaven going, well, I cannot believe, look at that bad attitude that they're having. Uh, James 1, 3, on the other hand, tells us that we experience the gift of perseverance through testing, through testing. And Hebrews eleven six 6 said it's impossible to please God without faith because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards people who seek him with intention. God also says no when our prayers are rooted in selfishness or when a yes could harm us. And God's no ultimately teaches us patience with our prayers, patience with the Lord. We talked about this the other day too when I was saying, listen, sometimes we have to take a step back and realize God's not going to answer our prayer right now. When my mother was a nurse in the pediatric oncology unit a long time ago, my mom worked in a Portland area hospital and pediatric oncology is no joke. I mean, that is a tough line of work to be in. And my mom uh, got to know a young, little young, uh, young man who was struggling with a stage four cancer. And my mom would bring us kids to see him. And she had got him, I think, a sock monkey. I mean, I was pretty young at this point, but I, my memory, if my memory serves correctly, it was like a Christmas gift or, um, but I remember this little sock monkey and my mom brought it to this young boy and we had come to visit him a couple of times. And about two or three months after we saw him, that little boy passed away. And I remember my mom just coming home and being so devastated and talking about her love for this little guy and praying for him and asking God, why are you taking him on? Why are you allowing this to happen to this beautiful family, this sweet little boy? And she didn't get an answer. But the love that God had given her for that little guy and to watch his family walk through that was something that changed my mom forever. And it was at that point in my life that I started to realize that when we love the things uh that are around us. We love our family members, right? I, I love my children and my husband deeply. And whether it's the the loss of a of a loved one through death or the loss through divorce or when our children uh, leave home or whatever it is, I've discovered that if we don't grieve those things, we're doing it wrong. You grieve, we grieve these things, but the Bible says we're not grieving as those without hope. God in his mercy has given us a way forward. We know that we're going to see our loved ones again. This is why the message of the gospel is so paramount to everything that we do, because this world is not our home. And sometimes what we want doesn't match God's plan for us. And that's when he takes control and we have to trust that he's good. Romans 8, 28 says, we know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. This verse in Romans says that God already has a plan that's set for us. God said yes to Moses' request when he asked to see his glory. God said yes to Solomon 
when Solomon asked for wisdom. Sometimes our goal doesn't match his plan, and that's where we have to trust that God is in control. And sometimes the healing doesn't come. And as we, I was thinking the other day about this because a dear friend of ours has just experienced a terrible loss. And whether it's a loss, sometimes the loss is not necessarily the loss of life, but the loss of a life that you thought you would have, the loss of a freedom that you realize now that you had that you didn't have before. Maybe that was freedom because you didn't have your health before or you had health before and now you don't or someone around you is really struggling or it's a mental health crisis or whatever it is. And God uses those moments to draw his children closer to himself. You guys, he loves you. He loves you. And he's still good. C.S. Lewis once said, we are not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. We are wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. Disappointment may be part of living in this world as we struggle to let go of our earthly desires and align our hearts to receive the things that God wants to give us. But if we're in Christ... Our struggle with disappointment will only be temporary because the promises of God and the joy that we experience as we realize them are eternal. Guys, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. I often think of, uh, of my, my grandparents and my desire to see them again and all the people that have gone before us. My friend Clint Beidelman, who died from AIDS uh, a long time ago, and so many of our friends that have gone on to be with the Lord. When you're in Christ, you're in Christ forever. And that is the hope that we have. And God decides, when, when, uh, when God decides for us and it's not the answer that we want, then our response is to lean into the Lord, not to be, I'm not saying be joyful about it and say, oh, thank you, I love this suffering. Thank you, God. No, that's not it at all. That's not even honest, right? God knows your heart. It's just to go, Father, I don't understand, but I trust you. I trust you in all this. And when God declines, even our most genuine prayers, even the most genuine prayers that we pray from the bottom of our heart, like like Solomon prayed, we've got to trust that it's true, that our ways are not his ways. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. And his wise plan might be to decline the cry of our heart. And we have to learn to trust him. Because at the end of the day, our hearts can only be satisfied in Christ. Listen to this from John 4, 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will come in a spring of life with water welling up to eternal life. You see, God is inviting us to join in with him and wrestle these things down. Uh, he, he wants to be with us every step of the way. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, close to the brokenhearted, you guys. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. What a powerful reality. He saves those who are, who are crushed in spirit. God promises that he's near us. He promises in Revelation 24 or 21, verse 4, that eventually this hurting that we experience, this brokenness in the world is going to come to an end. It's part of the reason why I am so excited to take you guys through Genesis chapter 11 to take us back to the foundations, back to the amazing story of the creation of the world, because we can see this beautiful, perfect world that God created and the serpent comes in and destroys that world by making Eve doubt who God is is and what God said. That was one of the very first things he said to her. You guys remember this? Did God really say? You guys know the word so that when the hard things come, when the moments of temptation come, when the sorrows come, when the, when the disappointments come, 
that we don't question the word of God, we don't question the goodness of God, that we know who he is so that our feet don't stumble when life around us is falling apart. There's something wonderful about recognizing that even in the midst of our sin, while we were shaking our fist, angry at God, God was creating a way that we could be reconciled to him through the death of his own beloved son on the cross. You are loved. He loves you. And he's not going to leave you. He's not going to leave you in the misery of disappointment because he's not finished the work that he started. Philippians 1.16 or 1.6 rather tells us that. And he's going to assure us of his love as we invite him into the struggles that we're feeling, these struggles of everyday life. Uh, when I was in high school and granted, I mean, this was, feels like now, you know, uh, back when dinosaurs <laughs> were on the earth. But when I was in high school, a friend of mine lost her dad. And I, I remember this very clearly because it just, he, she lost him in an accident. And it was the second time that someone that I cared about uh, had died suddenly like this. The first time was when I was in elementary school in sixth grade. My sixth grade teacher committed suicide. He had been diagnosed with a brain tumor. And this guy uh, was probably one of my favorite teachers, beloved by everybody in our class. We were in a small Christian school and they had given him, he started having headaches. I mean, this this man was a delight to be around. Wonderful with the class, wonderful with with the students. And he started having migraine headaches. And about six months later, finally, they diagnosed him with a incurable brain tumor. And rather than let the brain tumor take his life, he ended his own life. And the grief that went through my young, my young uh, cl- friends at that time, because we were very young, you know, we would have been probably 12, 12 years old, somewhere in there to realize that life could hurt this way. We were taken under, uh, under the wing of a new teacher, a substitute that had come in, and her job was to walk us through the grief of losing this man that we love so much and to help us understand the sorrows that are really uh, you can't, you can never really grasp at that point. And you know what she did that helped me more than anything else? She reminded us that this, that this man, this teacher that we had admired and loved so much that we would see him again one day, that he loved the Lord. You see, I don't believe, and I don't think you can make a case for it in scripture, that there is a sin that separates us from Christ. The Bible says, once you've accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. No sin that we commit, not even suicide. And I believe we're going to see my teacher again one day and that he will be whole when I see him again because that's the promise of Scripture. And we lean into those things uh, when we, when we are uh, walking with the Lord, when we learn to walk with him. And so I just want to encourage you today. I know a lot of you are struggling just to be very, very careful to inoculate yourself against the lies of the enemy Because it doesn't matter if you're dealing with death or disappointment. When God says no, that's when the enemy wants to come in and and tell you that God doesn't really love you. Did God really say, does God really love you? The answer is yes, he does. The Bible says that Satan is a liar. In John 8, verse 44, it says, you are the father of the devil and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And when God doesn't answer your prayers, you can be sure that Satan is going to offer you some reasons why. He's going to say, God is cruel. You can't trust him. He's going to say, you're unlovable. So of course, God didn't answer your prayers. Your faith is weak. Your sin is shameful. God doesn't love you. You you guys, we have got to shield ourselves 
using the shield of faith. Lift up the shield of faith to extinguish the flaming darts that come at you from the enemy and ask the Lord to help you. Call on your friends to uh, pray with you, to be with you, to speak truth, to immerse yourself in the Psalms, engage in the prayers of the suffering saints and keep praying to the Lord. Even when it seems pointless, keep praying to the Lord because God is listening. He answers prayer. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8 says, The Lord himself goes before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. You guys, God loves you. He loves you now. He loved you from the moment of your conception. And he's never going to leave you. And he will never forsake you no matter what you're going through. Uh, God's never going to stop being God. In Isaiah 55 verse 10 It says, my purposes will stand and I will do what I please. And sometimes we don't understand. Sometimes we can't make sense of what God allows. This was certainly the case when my nephew a couple of years ago was in an accident and we we could not understand why God would allow this young, vibrant boy to be in an accident that would take away uh, his ability to ever walk again. And we asked the Lord, we, we begged the Lord for answers, but you know the answer that God gave us, and, and you guys, it's a long story. Some of you have heard me tell it on the, on the show before, uh, because God did ultimately heal Bobby. It wasn't a complete healing, but he did not die. But I will tell you what, what God did in that hospital was far more consequential in the lives of our family than even the physical healing that we watched God do in Bobby's body over the weeks and months to come. God is able. And we know that he's able. And I think that's what can be so frustrating because we know that if he willed it, if he wanted it, the healing would come. The accident would not have happened. The child would not have died. Uh, my teacher would not have, have driven, been driven so to despair that he would take his own life. And we often say, Lord, why are you allowing this to happen? I think it's okay to ask the Lord. God knows that we are dust. It's okay to cry out to him. It's okay to say, Lord, I don't understand. And then lean in to his heart for you and let him love on you as only God can do. He is a good father. Learn to rest in him. And there are few things in this life that can drive us to question God's character like unanswered prayers. Listen to the psalmist in Psalm 77 verse 9. He said, has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? And I love the Psalms because if I'm honest, these are the kinds of questions that resonate with me when I'm struggling. Where are you? Have you have you stopped being gracious? Do you not understand what's happening to me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? There are times that we're tempted to doubt God's goodness to us, but Jesus's words have brought me great comfort in my life, and I hope they comfort you today. God is a good father. Matthew 9, 11 says, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? There have been a lot of wonderful Christians who have gone before us that have suffered terribly and come out on the other side and been able to say with bright eyes and a full heart that God is good. He's good. If you've never read the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if you've never read the story of Amy Carmichael or Corey Ten Boom, I'm going to link back to some of my favorite books in the show notes for you today. Some of these books that are uh, so encouraging because you watch people go through uh, unexplainable and even um, sickening circumstances. They come out on the other side and their faith is intact and their hope is intact because it was never 
placed in a man in the first place. It was in God, and a hope that is placed in God is well-placed indeed. So wherever you are uh, in your life, you know, I I heard a long time ago uh, a uh, Christian music artist say that suffering is inevitable. We're either going into a trial or we're coming out of one, but God remains the same. And he wants you to know today that wherever you are in your walk with him and whatever's happening around you, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You are loved. I'll link back to those books in the show notes today. In the meantime, I would love to hear from you. You guys can reach out to me at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. Send me your comments and your questions. I would love to interact with you. Also, we're getting ready to study Genesis 1 to 11. My new study is called Supernatural. This is a great time to hop on over to that study. And I'm going to make a big announcement coming up in just a couple of days about the future of that ministry and hopefully inviting more of you to join me on the journey of getting to know the Word of God and the one who wrote it even better. So we love you guys. Thanks for listening. I'll see you right back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith 